Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Trap Game Podcast. I am your host, Mark Ruthop. It is time for week six NFL picks. Uh, last week, we went six, eight, and one to bring our record for the year to 28, 32, and two. The super locks, I think at this point, we are going for the reverse sweep. Uh, we are 0-4 on our super locks, but we're going to bounce back this week. This week is a special week for me. Um, I have been recording on my own, but I do have a very special guest today, my old man, John, Dad. How are we doing today? Doing great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I wouldn't want to record with anyone else. Um, we did just get back from the Yankees game today, uh, an unfortunate 4-2 to loss. It was going okay after the first inning. Um, it was looking really promising there for a little bit. Uh, and then Shane Bieber turned into the ace that the Guardians have had the last few years. A um, couple very concerning things out of that game is, if you've been watching it, how terrible, and it's not even bad, how terrible Judge looks at the plate. Well, the fact that he's not even making contact on foul balls or anything is very concerning. He had, I want to say, probably a dozen swings and misses right. today. Not good at all. Yeah, and I think there was a foul ball to like the third base dugout, and you almost were excited because just of how bad he's looked. Yeah. And I, I think we were talking about it on the way. I think... The home run chase that, you know, that so much pressure was being put on him. It was all that was being talked about. It wasn't about them going to the playoffs, him having an MVP season, how he was working the plate. It turned into just him hitting the home runs. And you can see it. He pressed, his timing's off. Uh, I was telling you at the game today, Judge hardly ever steps out of the plate. And virtually on every single pitch today, he would step out, gather himself. So I think it's very obvious that he's in his head. Yeah, there's no doubt. And also, Judge is not a traditional leadoff hitter. Right. Uh, I hope that changes tomorrow night because if Boone has him leading off tomorrow, um, we need to question his ability as a manager. Well, I think if you've watched... If you're a self-respecting Yankees fan at this point, you've been questioning Aaron Boone being the manager for the last couple of years, but... We don't really understand what goes on inside the Yankees front office anymore, considering he got an extension. So I have a feeling that the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Yankees call each other, you know, because Aaron Boone shouldn't have gotten an extension. Cliff Kingsbury probably shouldn't have gotten an extension. Um, And I think a lot of times, like, I don't dislike Aaron Boone as much as I like Cliff Kingsbury. But I think a lot of times these guys win in spite of of the head coaching. Yeah. And, and I think that was a lot to do with this year. As you can see in August, they were probably the worst team in baseball. Right. So, um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you um, because I think today was easily one of my favorite live games getting to watch, even though they did lose and that was shitty. But on the scale of games that I've seen live, like I think getting to go to the game with you meant a lot more than the actual result of the game because that was your first, 
Yankee game and the new Yankee Stadium and getting to go to a playoff game, I think just made it that much cooler. So if you could list out like your top three live events you've ever got to see, what do you think they would be? Oh, absolutely. First of all, it was a it, it was a real treat going to that game with you today. Of course, it would have been extra special had the Yankees not let Bieber off the hook, right? Uh, but they did. But um, no, it was great, and, and I really uh, I really enjoyed the entire day. As far as the top three sporting events uh, events, uh, the first occurred in 1976. It was the second game of the World Series, okay. Cincinnati Reds versus New York Yankees. <laughs> It was the first Sunday night game right. in World Series history. I was there with my dad and my two brothers, and I remember it was freezing cold that night, mm-hmm. and Tony Perez, uh, one of the greatest first basemen to ever play, hit a ground ball through the uh, shortstop third base hole in the bottom of the ninth to win that game 4-3. to three. Uh, The Reds went on to sweep the Yankees that year 4-0. Uh, to nothing. Johnny Bench, the greatest catcher to ever play the game, was the MVP of that series. Uh, second uh, of my favorite sporting events was in 2008. That was when I went to Xavier University in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Xavier was in the Sweet 16, and the, the regional tournament was down in Phoenix. Okay. They beat West Virginia in overtime. Uh, a sharp shooting guard named B.J. Raymond hit two threes near the end of the game, and I think one in overtime. And what made that game even more special was Bob Huggins the former coach of the University of Cincinnati, a huge art rival of Xavier, was the coach of West yeah. Virginia. So Is that, that even more special. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's the year that they lost to UCLA, right? It is. Yeah. yeah they they had Kevin uh, Kevin Love, Russell yes. Westbrook, yes. just you know, an all-star team in college at that point. Yeah. Um, I think, and we'll obviously get to your last one, but I think one of my favorite sporting moments ever and it wasn't live but i think it was when we watched xavier beat u of a um in in the sweet 16 to go to the elite elite eight and if you dig deep in my twitter there's a video of our reaction and we didn't know at the time that mom was recording right i i i still go back at times and i'll go back the five or six years however long it was i'll go all the way through to find that video and watch it because it was just like such a genuine moment that you know like i don't see you get excited that often like like that i think today when john carlo hit that home run i think that was pretty close but when xavier beat u of a i don't think i've ever seen you get that emotionally like excited very often so that for me was still i i still think about it all the time and like i said like i still go watch that video because it's one of those memories that i'll never forget because like 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 i said we didn't know it was being recorded right and it was just such a genuine cool moment that we all got to share together and it means so much more now that we don't live close you know so uh, that for me still is so cool um, what was your third moment? Well, back to Phoenix, believe it or not, 2009, uh, Arizona Cardinals with Kurt Warner, uh, just a quarterback I absolutely loved watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a high-scoring playoff game against the Green Bay Packers. The Cardinals jumped out to a gigantic lead. Uh, Aaron Rodgers brought him right back, uh, had a great game. Both, both he and Warner were just lighting it up that game. Yep. It goes into overtime. It was down on our end of the stadium. I was with my other son, Ryan, at that game. And uh, it was kind of a strip sack fumble. 
I think I can't remember the defender's name, but he basically took it right out of Rogers Rogers hand, and and Rogers kind of like kicked the ball up in the air accidentally. Yeah. Came right into his arms and he ran like I want to say twelve yards maybe to the end zone. Right. And the entire stadium lost their minds. But keep in mind there must have been easily fifteen to seventeen thousand Green Bay fans. Yeah. In that stadium and they are they are among the best fans. Oh, I mean, absolutely. They're, they're professional. They're not. Uh, they're normally not jerks about it. Mm-hmm. And they took a very tough loss. And they took it well that game, but that was uh, in a, a very exciting game. Packers fans have taken a couple really rough losses in the playoffs in in Phoenix in particular. Yes. yes. Um, because I wouldn't say it; it's in my top three. But when I went to the playoff game, when it was uh, when Carson Palmer was the quarterback, yeah. and it was the end of the game. Aaron Rodgers had just been sacked like 15 yards and there was about 30 seconds left on the clock and they were at, I think, like the two-yard line. He heaves about a 50-yard pass for the first down, gets gets the first down, and then you're sitting there and everyone was so excited because, you know, you just sacked him. Then he gets that pass at the 50-yard line, and you're just like, well, this is Aaron Rodgers. And you start to get a little little nervous, and then he hits the Hail Mary to tie the game. I don't think I've ever experienced a more roller coaster of fan emotion than I have in that game. From the sack to the 50 to the 50, or to the touchdown, then in overtime is when Carson Palmer across the field to Larry Fitzgerald. Almost a no look pass, if I remember. Almost, yeah. It was yeah. it was almost a, a jump yeah. jump turn throw to Larry Fitzgerald, yeah. fifty yards across the field, and the ball traveled maybe three yards yeah. forward, and then that shovel pass in the end zone. I think I still think like like I said, that's not in my top three sporting moments, but like top three exciting moments I would have to count that. Um, I think my top three uh, would have to be my first official game in Yankee Stadium last year. Uh, and, and what makes it that much better was it was the first game against the Astros after the cheating scandal came out because there was the COVID season where no fans got to go. Then we got to go see them play in New York the first time that they had to be in New York after that whole cheating scandal. And it was only 25% capacity, but you would think it was it was full. How how just rabid. And you could just feel just the hatred oh, yeah. <laughs> towards the Astros in that game. Um, I think probably my number two is getting to see the Golden Knights' first official playoff oh, game live. Sure. I went by myself. Like, I wasn't going to miss that game. I think I paid three to four hundred dollars to sit at the very top row and it was a one nothing game that was scored in the first period early so it was kind of boring but it was still a lot of fun um yeah and i think either i think i'm gonna roll them both into one was tuesday getting to see the yankees first playoff game in yankee stadium for me live getting to go with randy and then obviously today. So I think those are easily my top three. Um, I just, so many awesome moments and, and things that we've got to experience. Um, I think it's easy to say too, I think I've turned you into a Yankees fan. Oh yeah, well, 
I think if we go all the way back, my first cousin is married to Joe Torrey. They've right. been married for a long time. And when you were born, you were a great baseball player, you know, all the way up through grade school, um, all the way to the end of your high school. Mm-hmm. And you could have played in college. But um, I told, I remember telling you that, uh, that Joe Torrey was married to my first cousin, that he came to my house a few times. Right. That he was always a gentleman. And uh, I remember watching... The playoff game with you and Ryan in Las Vegas when, of all of all people, Booney hit that that home run. Oh yeah, off of Tim Wakefield. Yeah. to to win that playoff series and go to the. I think they went to the World Series after. They that did. Series, yeah. They did. And uh, yeah, that was. Um, I think I think our Yankees uh, um, affection goes back quite a ways. Oh, well, the first game I ever went to was the Angels Yankees. Yeah. And I remember. Yeah, yeah, and I remember you told me I had to cheer for the Angels because they were the home team. <laughs> And thank God I didn't listen to you because I'd be living a very sad life. <laughs> but, yeah, and it, I think a big reason, too, is because our uh, our uncle my, looks, I I still think looks exactly like Paul O'Neill. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that was, I think I asked you if that was him You're when we walked in the game. Yeah, yeah. so that was a lot of fun. Um, but... We'll, we'll start to get into the picks here. Um, I did want to ask you, because we do cover a lot of gambling, obviously, during the NFL season. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of an OG to the gambling game. Um, I don't want to age you here, but, you know, for, for a few years. Right. For a few years longer than most people uh, have been alive. Yeah. Um, what? How, how do you see the changes from... When you started, because I remember sitting in the back of the car and driving through the casinos and watching you put your dollar bills into the little little canister, watching the money go and your ticket come back. And now you can bet hundreds, if not thousands dollar of dollars in just a single click on your phone. Right. It, it was much more involved back then. You actually had to drive and, yeah. and do all that. So... Do you like the way it's heading? Do you like it? You know. Well, it's certainly more convenient. But if I could, if I could uh, take a trip down memory lane, um, I've been betting for for about four decades, mm-hmm. and obviously we can say that for better or for worse. <laughs> but my my brother um, lived. I grew up in Cincinnati, obviously, and there's a bar in Norwood, uh, close to Xavier University's campus. Mm-hmm. Really cool place. It was called the Wooden Shoe, and they just don't have bars like that anymore. And uh, the owner was an older guy, just a great, great gentleman. And my brother, he was kind of taken under his wing by some old timers. And these guys remember when there were like literal chalkboards on the sidewalk. Yeah, like the stuff you see in like those old like mob movies. Exactly. No, exactly. And. You know, gamblers would walk up and down the sidewalk. They would try to find the best line. Um, if the line changed at all, they would just use an eraser to, to remove it and, and, and put the new line in chalk. But this place was really cool. Uh, my brother brought me down there, and he introduced me to the fellows and and the owner. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if the owner knew you and you were sitting at the bar, sitting at a table, he would bring out the line sheet, and he would just set it right in front of you. And, you know, you could make your picks then and, um, you know, either stick around and have a few beers or, or take off. But if, if there was somebody in the bar that he did not recognize, 
he would say, hey, I don't know that person, so I'm not going to bring out the line sheet right now. Or he had this back room, and you'd have to go back there, and, and then he would hand you, hand you the line sheet there. One of the coolest things about this like room that he would bring the gamblers back to, he had a bunch of like clothing racks. And on these racks, he would have shirts or jackets. This guy would have money <laughs> stuffed in about five or ten different jackets or or coats or shirts. It was pretty cool. It was literally like something you would see in the movies. Yeah, right. And um, I remember one time I was like, I was pretty young. I was barely 18 years old. I was new to this whole thing. And uh, I walked in one day because I had won a bet. And of all things, and my brother still brings this up, I bet the Kansas City Royals to beat the St. Louis Cardinals in the World Series. It's that famous Don Denkinger call where the guy was clearly out at first base and he mm-hmm. called him safe and the Royals went on to win. But anyway, it was really cool. I, I walked into the bar and, and I just sat there for a minute and then the owner came out. He goes, I think I owe you for a bet. And then he, you know, he put my money down on the counter. That's pretty cool. It, it, it was, I'm telling you, it was awesome. That's pretty cool. And then, of course, you were born in 93. In 96, we all moved to Las Vegas for my job. So that's how you... You know, kind of, sort of, first um, got at least exposed right. to gambling. Um, it, you know, it's changed a lot. It, Las Vegas has changed, I think, for the worse. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. A long time ago, the lines used to be minus 110, minus 110. Right. Or if you had a heavy favorite, they would they might be minus, like, you know, say 150. And then the underdog would come back at plus 130 or, you know, thereabouts. Now you'll have both sides being minus 115. Right. And what is that? Yeah. I mean, who's the favorite? Minus who's, who's 115, minus 105. It's ridiculous. I mean, even today, you know, we had the Nestor Cortez strikeouts that we were looking at, three oh. and a half. Yeah. And the over on the, the strikeouts was minus 180. Right. You know, so it wasn't it wasn't worth it, I don't think, for anybody. I did tell you, though, to take the under, yeah, and, and, did. and it did, and it yeah, did hit. Yeah, um, but yeah, I just I think I think the I can remember the moment that I I guess I not not hooked, but I guess like started to become more interested in gambling is I remember I had a I went in to bet a two team parlay and it was supposed to be I think it was the Tigers and the over on the Yankees and Mariners game and I at the time it was CC Sabathia pitching. Mm-hmm. And the way I said it to the girl at the desk, she thought I said the Mariners and the over. So I had a three-team parlay. And I remember walking away. And we were only a few steps. And I could have changed it if I wanted to. And I looked at it. And then I saw the payout. And I was like, I'll just let it ride. And, and it ended up hitting. Oh, right. So I, you know, I don't think you really ever forget <laughs> that high of your like first ever bet. But it does stink. You know, like... It, it it's so accessible now, which is good in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you know, and, and that's why I said it in my last episode is, you know, if you can afford to bet, do it right. because it is fun right. and, and it is a, a cool, easy way to make a little extra money, sure. but don't get yourself in trouble exactly. because I, I liked for me at least having to get in my car. Having, having the picks that I wanted for the day, because I would go in, make one bet, and I'd be done for the day. If it hit, if awesome. 
So, like I remember during the NFL season, I would make my morning picks. If it hit, awesome. Go collect my money. Maybe make a bet for for night. If those didn't hit, I'm I would not. I would just not drive back. Right. And it was cool getting the money, you know. And and now it's just a, a number in the account. It just goes right into your your uh, bank account. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously growing. Can be good, like you said. A lot of it has changed for the worse, unfortunately, but. They do give you more ways to make money at the same time. They do. I think the in-game, the in-game gambling or betting has changed everything. Thing it's at, changed everything. I mean, yeah. you can literally bet on the same game seven different times. Really up? Well, actually, even more than that. Mm-hmm. If you really pay attention to the line and line movements, like football, they'll do it. They'll do it for baseball. Um, it, it's. Uh, I tell you what, if you get on a hot streak, it's a good thing. But oh yeah, you know, it, as we both know, for some reason, when it comes to gambling, it seems once once you start losing a few tough games, it all goes downhill. Yeah, it just seems to snowball, and it's a domino effect. So, um, you can certainly win a lot in a very short period of time, but on the you know on the flip side of that, you can you can lose a lot in a yeah. very short period of time right. as well. Absolutely. Um, but saying that. We can, we'll get we'll get into the NFL picks. Um, we'll we can recap the Thursday night pick just a little bit. Sure. Um, we didn't obviously didn't cover it on the show, but before we were going to record, but you know we got caught up a little bit. I had chosen the Commanders. You had chosen the Bears. Um, I obviously covered that game, but I covered for reasons that I didn't like the game, right. if that makes sense. I, I, The only reason I liked the Commanders is, A, because the Bears are terrible. Right. At this point, if you do not think Justin Fields is overrated, you probably haven't watched, watched a lot of football. Right. I, the kid is not a good quarterback. No, I, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious he's at not. this point. Yeah. But I think the big thing for me this game was the comments that Ron Rivera had made about Carson Wentz leading up to this game. Mm-hmm. When they asked him, hey, why are you guys behind? And he, all he said was quarterback. You know, so to me, I thought Carson Wentz was going to come out, want to have a big game. Ron Rivera came out, apologized. I thought he would try and scheme Carson Wentz to have a big game. Carson Wentz had a terrible game. Yeah. But luckily, the Bears played worse than the Commanders. And I kind of I backed into that cover. Right. Well, so the Bears... Through an interception, I think, on the one-yard line. Yeah, got stuffed at the one-yard line, too. Also got stopped on fourth and one. Justin Fields misses a 6'4 tight end. Yep. He's at least 6'4, maybe taller. Wide open in the end zone, overthrows him. And then uh, the Bears punt returner fumbled that ball uh, near the end of the game. Fumbled the ball. Basically like the 12-yard line. Yep, and then they had the chance to win the game late. Right. And then Darnell Mooney fumbles it or is bobbling it oh, right. as he's going to the ground. Right. And he actually caught the ball in the end zone but couldn't hang on to right. it. That's true. So, like I said, I, the commanders covered, but it was an ugly cover. Yeah. Uh, but I'll take it. That was a terrible game. Uh, yeah. Justin Fields is, is entirely overrated. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what anybody sees in this guy. I really don't. I mean, to be fair, he's still young, and I he doesn't have – the best team around him, obviously, but 
there are still a lot of guys that don't have good teams around them that can maximize that talent, and he just does not seem like a guy that can do that. And Ohio State quarterbacks don't exactly have, like, a very long track record of being successful in the NFL anyway. That's true. So, technically started 1-0, but... You know, you guys will have to take our word for that one. Um, getting into the Sunday games, our first game of the night is the f- or the day is the 49ers minus five and a half against the Falcons. The over under is 44 and a half. Um, you and I kind of went over the games before. We have our picks in, but obviously we'll talk through them, see if you know we like something different as it comes up. Um, I took the 49ers, you took the Falcons plus the five and a half. Do you want to explain like why, why do you like the Falcons in this spot? Well, I like them because they've been competitive in every single game. Uh, Mariota is a good quarterback. Um, I don't know. I just, I just have a feeling about this game that the Niners aren't going to blow them out. I think the Niners will eventually win the game, but I do see the Falcons covering. I mean, and I... I said it last week too. Um, now the Falcons are five and zero against the spread, right. <clears throat> but for me, I, I just the Falcons aren't going to go sixteen and zero covering spreads, right? Because they're really they're they're a better team than people wanted to give them credit for, but they're still not a particularly good team either. I agree with that. Um, and. I still think that everyone, for whatever reason, likes to count out Jimmy Garoppolo. But the dude is a proven winner. No, I, he, I 100% agree with that. I have no issues with Jimmy G at all. And he has some good weapons on that team. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, nothing against Trey Lance. I'm sure he's a good dude. But the, tra- the, the conversation we just had about Justin Fields, and I've said it before, applies to Trey Lance. He was not proven at all. Jimmy G was right. don't under still don't understand the move um, unless you were going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. They obviously saw some stuff that they weren't particularly confident in Trey Lance. They wanted to give him a try. There's a reason they held on to Jimmy G. Right. And look what happens. The 49ers have become a much better team with him behind quarterback. And I just think pound for pound, position for position, I don't see a position where the Falcons are better than the 49ers. Well, you're, I think you're right about that. Uh, we'll just have to see how the game plays out. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the 49ers. Dad is on the Falcons. Um, we will move on to the Patriots at the Browns. The Browns are minus 2.5 at home, minus 115. We both like the Patriots here, but this also to me seems – a little bit trappy, I would I would say, um, just because I feel like the Patriots are going to be a pretty heavily backed underdog this week, and you would think with how the Browns have been playing, they're not winning games. Right. They ha- they haven't been covering games. The Patriots, you know, just blew the Lions out of the water, who just shut out the highest scoring offense in the league. Right. To me. I would honestly think this would be closer to a pick 'em than the minus two and a half. Well, you have a coaching edge with New England, obviously, and the the Browns move the ball. They can score, yeah. but they just seem to shoot themselves in the foot. 
they should have won that game last week against the Chargers, and a guy kind of missed the chip shot field goal. Yeah. Um, but then again, the Chargers made a horrible move going for it on fourth and mm -hmm. one when they could have just punted the ball and made him drive the length of the field. Absolutely. They almost blew that game because yeah. of that. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm not sold on the Browns. They just seem to find ways to lose games. I'm not either, but I think. I think I just talked myself into changing from the Patriots to the Browns. Just the line looks too fishy to right. me. I, I just, for everything that we just listed, the Patriots coaching, how they've been playing, this Bailey Zap kid looks halfway decent. I just think that this, and the fact that it's juiced to minus 115 for the Browns at the minus two and a half is... I don't feel good about it anymore. Um, so actually, I'm gonna I'm switching. Okay. I'm gonna switch to the to the Browns here, and you're gonna stick with the Patriots. I'm sticking okay. with the Patriots. All right. I mean, I don't feel good about it, and I this you know this will probably say a no bet for me. Oh, me yeah. The, um, none of my own money's going on that. Yeah, game. absolutely. That. Um, okay, so Patriots for my dad. I'm taking the Browns at the minus two and a half. We will move on to the Jets at the Packers. The Jets are plus seven and a half, juiced, and this is the biggest juice I've seen on a line so far this season, juiced to minus 120. So you're getting the Packers at even money at that minus seven and a half. The over-under is 45. This is another game that we are split on so far, which has been every game. I have the Jets at the minus, or plus seven and a half. Are you on? Um, I like the Jets as okay. well. Okay. So you originally had the Packers, but we are both on the Jets at the minus or plus seven and a half. I know you're a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I like him. I know you like the Packers. He's getting a little bit weird for me, but I he still is like him. he is starting to get a little strange. Um, this just not it's not the same Packers team that we're used to. It's not the same Packers team, and honestly. To me, Aaron Rodgers is kind of letting off an air that he doesn't really care that much. I mean, I I know he does. He's never been like a real fiery quarterback, um, but I, I don't know. There's something there's something about when I watch the Packers this year that just doesn't look like the Packers of old. And they still have a lot of the talents, but you know, Rodgers is, does not have the same amount of weapons that he had last year. No, I mean, you lose a guy like Devontae Adams. Exactly. I mean, that's that's going to hurt anybody. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and the Jets have been competitive um, in just about every game this year. They came back. They stormed back against the Browns, which we can debate whether that was, a, you know, an yeah. epic upset or not. But right. they've been very competitive. Um, and uh, I, I see the Jets giving the Packers a pretty good match this weekend. I do too, um, and I think I'm taking the Jets here more in spite of how the Packers are playing rather than how the Jets are playing. Um, because the Jets are three and two, they could really be one and four. Because, like you said, they came back uh, on the Browns, right? A, a, a comeback that should have never happened. Right. They came back on the Ravens. They did. Uh, was it? The, was that the Jets? I think they beat the Ravens this year, uh, from what I can remember. Or no, it wasn't the Ravens. Uh, they got actually beat pretty bad by the Ravens. I'm sorry. Um, they lost to the Dolphins, or they beat the Dolphins, but that was a Dolphins team without Teddy Bridgewater, right. who I had originally picked last week, and I I still think 
the Dolphins probably cover that game if Teddy Bridgewater is in. Right. Um, there is one more game I can't remember off the top of my head that they won that they probably shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I think I'm just picking the Jets here to fade the Packers. Right. Uh, you know, it just it just seems like a spot where the only reason I'm scared is how historically good Aaron Rodgers is is coming off a loss. But like I said, it's not the same Packers team. That might not happen this time. Um, so we are both on the Jets at the plus seven and a half. Moving on to the Jaguars at the Colts. The Colts are minus two. Over under is 42. Uh, we are both on the Colts here at the minus two. I think this is a spot, at least for me, um, and you can obviously let me know how you feel. This feels like another spot that I'm picking against the Jags more than I'm picking for the Colts. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, Trevor Lawrence, I like him. I want him to do well, but, uh, man, they blew that game against the Eagles when they were up big, yeah. and uh, Lawrence threw some terrible interceptions uh, near the end of that game. And, you know, the Colts are one of those weird teams. that They, they seem to get off to slow starts, and then they, they always seem to turn it on near the, kind of the middle or the end of the season. Right. And I just see the Colts winning this game fairly easily. I just – well, there's two factors for me is if jo- uh, Jonathan Taylor is playing again. And he's not had a good year at all yet. Um, but Matt Ryan seems washed up to me. He has been terrible this year. And yeah, he hasn't been very good, that's right? For sure. And their one win was on last Thursday, which was one of the ugliest games of football we've ever seen played. It was bad. Um, so I, yeah, I think we're just on the side here that the Colts just have a little bit more talent, and being home should be good enough to get them that at least two point victory. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll stick with the Colts at the minus two, uh, moving on to the Vikings at the Dolphins. I'm actually going to check the live line right now because the Vikings are at the moment minus three and a half. The over under is 45 and a half. And that toll or that number is actually dropped to minus three as we're recording right now. This is. We're both on the Vikings. We we both picked the Vikings pre-show. Um, but this is another game that just screams trap game to yeah. me. And and the fact that it dropped half a point and knowing that Teddy Bridgewater is out and the Dolphins are going with their third string guy, I think I have to change my pick from the Vikings. It, it just does not smell right to me at all. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Vikings in spite of Kirk Cousins costing me financially numerous times throughout the years. And even when I didn't have a financial interest in the game, just kind of watching him do something really stupid near the end of the game when his team could have won. Yeah. But I I think the Vikings will will still win this game. That's my pick anyway. And like I said, I think so too. Um, It's I think they might still win, but for some reason it just seems like the books at least think that the Vikings are going to win this on a last-second field goal. Could be. You know, so I'll take a push on this. This is a no-bet for me because of just how weird this line looks. Very fishy. Very, very fishy to me. Um, So we will move on to the Bengals at the New Orleans Saints. 
Jameis Winston was ruled out once again. It is Andy Dalton behind center. The Bengals are minus two. The over-under is 43. We both agree here. We both like the Bengals. No doubt. You know, I like Andy Dalton. He's a former Bengals quarterback. He's a good guy. Um, I don't think he's ever reached his full potential in the NFL. And I, I just see the Bengals uh, winning this game. I'm going to say by 7 or 10. They haven't really broke out yet this year. Um, I see Burrow having a really good game. I think the last time I read something, the last time they played in this stadium, it was Burrow and Jamar Chase, and they just lit it up. And I see something like that happening again. Do you, is it, do you think Zach Taylor is a good coach? You know, the jury is still out. Um, I think he makes some very, very questionable calls. And uh, I would say he's an average coach right now. Maybe good, but he's certainly not great. He's still got a lot to learn. I, he he just makes calls that make no sense. Yeah. I mean, what was it? They went for two against the Ravens. or it? Well, the, the, the biggest call that I have an issue with during the Ravens game, the Bengals have the ball, I, I think, roughly on the two-yard line. Second down, and you try like a three-handoff reverse like flea flicker. I mean, what is that? Run the damn ball. You have two yards to get. Uh, either Mixon or P. Ryan could have got that touchdown. Right. And that play so close to the goal line takes way too long to develop. And they end up losing 10 yards on that play. Well, I um, think that's the play I'm, or the, the drive I'm talking about yeah. as well, is that they were down three at the time. And then I, I don't – I get you want to be aggressive sometimes, right? but you kick the field goal. Right. You tie the game yeah. because if they would have done that, they would have had an eight-point lead at the end of the game. Instead, you have a one-point lead and now a very good offense, even though I'm still – I'm not a – you guys know this. I'm not a believer in Lamar Jackson. You give that offense – only 50 yards that they need to go to give the greatest kicker in NFL history right. a chance to win the game. Right. You take those. You take points when you can get them against good teams, especially if you're doing it to tie the game. I can see if you're down at the time, but if you're tying the game, you tie the game. Exactly. Well, the fourth and one call or fourth and two, whatever it was, they were about two yards from the end zone, was a terrible call. Leo Collins, the offensive lineman, missed an assignment. He's literally sitting there turning circles trying to figure out who to block. Right. Uh, the guy that was supposed to catch a shovel pass basically runs into him. That play had no chance. Um, it was just they, they should have beat the Ravens, and that loss may come back to haunt them at the end of the season. Oh, absolutely. So. I, they're, they're, they're a lose, they have a losing record now, um, and that's especially against a division opponent. It's, yeah. it's massive. They're only two against a division. So massive. Yeah. Absolutely massive. Um, but in spite of that, we, I, I, they're very talented still. They are. They, they're still a good team. You can see at times where they can go and be one of the best teams in the NFL, and you see at times where they definitely overperformed last year. And they, they did. Y you know, There's no doubt about it. And everybody in Cincy was extremely excited about this new offensive line that they spent, right. you know, a according to Mike Brown, a fairly good amount of money on. Yeah. So far, that O-line has been an incredible disappointment. It really has. See, so I'll play devil's advocate for their O-line. Joe Burrow never throws the ball away. Yeah, he holds on right. to the ball entirely too long. He does. 
compared to a lot of other quarterbacks. So I think he takes a lot of sacks that get credited to that O-line that probably shouldn't. I agree, but I was at the Pittsburgh game, and uh, my God, he was running for his life the entire right. game. I mean, literally running for his life the entire game. Yeah. Um, so they've been, they've been too porous. They need to shore it up. And if they do, I think it was you that told me that the Bengals have not given up a yep. touchdown in the second half the entire year. Yep. That's pretty Through impressive. Through five weeks, they have not given up a single second-half touchdown. And think about that. Not one second-half touchdown, and yet they're two and three. Yeah. They, they've lost three games on a last-second field goal. Yep. And uh, that, that's tough to take. Look, they could be 5-0. and oh. They really could. Uh, they should have never, ever lost that Steelers game. Um, and and but, knowing and knowing that fact and like thank you for bringing that up that makes Zach Taylor that much worse yeah, worse of a coach. You're right. You yeah. you believe in your defense that hasn't given up a single touchdown in the second half. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. It right, makes yeah. no sense now. Not taking even place. less sense than it did before. Right. So you know I think the Bengals will be fine at the end of the day a lot of bad football for them late in games, but um, that defense is obviously a lot better than we thought it was going to be. Um, if you're going to take a side, and I told you this, the Bengals under in the second half is probably probably the way to go, right. considering that for whatever reason, they seem like the best second half defense in the NFL right, right. now. So we will stick with the Bengals at the minus two, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, we will move on to the Ravens at the Giants. The Ravens are minus five and a half, juiced to minus 115. The over-under is 45. Um, we both agree on the Giants here. Uh, I will let you kind of walk through your process on this game, though. Well, this is my upset of the week. I see the Giants winning this game straight up. I think Lamar Jackson, for all of his talent, all of his... His incredible quickness. I do think that he's he's also overrated. And honestly, I don't think the Giants are getting the credit that they deserve. They're four and one. They do have some weapons. Uh, Daniel Jones is playing, uh, you know, a fairly good quarterback. Saquon Barkley's he's he's playing great. Um, and this is in New York. Yeah. And, and I see the Giants winning this game straight up. I really do. The only thing with me. In this game, I think last week against the Pack or Packers was the first truly, truly, really good game that the Giants have put together. Um, because if you really sit down and you think about it, the Giants probably shouldn't have been three and one heading into that Packers game. They've lot of they've won ugly games. They have. Um, I credit more Brian Dable in that fact. I, I, if you want to make a bet right now, him winning the coach of the year, I think, is as good as a pick as you can make right now. The What he's doing with that Giants team is awesome to the point that we're picking the Giants over the Ravens, which at the beginning of the season, if you would have told me that we're both on the Giants against the Ravens, I would have been like, what What happened to Lamar Jackson? Right. You know what I mean? Um but again, I, I just think the Ravens are too banged up. The Giants' defense is playing well. I think they're going to ride that emotion. They're going to build on what they did against Green Bay. And I, I do like the that plus five and a half. 
Right. If somebody can find a way to cover Mark Andrews and the Giants secondary, I think the Giants win this game easily. Yeah. If they can't, I, Andrews torched the Bengals. Just Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's like everybody knew he was going to get the ball and they still couldn't stop it. So uh, it was a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're both on the Giants at the plus five and a half. We will move on to the Buccaneers at the Steelers. The Buccaneers are minus eight, juice to minus 115. The over-under is 44. We're both on the Buccaneers here. I don't really think we need to spend a lot of time on this game. The Steelers are just atrocious. They're a horrible football team. No, they're really bad. Um, I do see promise, though, in in, uh, Kenny Pickett. I I really do. I, I see... I see him getting – if he gets surrounded by more weapons and a better offensive line, I can actually see him being a very good NFL quarterback. But the Buccaneers, uh, you have – the quarterback edge is gigantic in this game. Yep. Uh, he he doesn't have all the weapons that he used to have, meaning Brady, but he still has enough, and I see them winning this game fairly easily. I think outside of running back – Pop, and maybe not even that right now because Najee Harris not playing well. This is just another game to me where I, if someone could tell me where the Steelers are better at any point, any position on their team rather than the Buccaneers, then I may consider taking the minus eight. But every skill position, every defensive position, the Buccaneers have the edge over the Steelers, especially since TJ Watt is still out, especially right. since Minka Fitzpatrick is out. You're missing two of the top probably 10, 15 players on defense in the entire NFL. Right. And those guys make the Steelers' defense go. And without those guys, that defense is terrible. And you just saw it. Granted, it's against the Bills. But, I mean, 38-3, to I just I can't see this being much closer. Right. And if the Buccaneers can't cover more than 10, 8 points, they can't win by a touchdown and a field goal in this game. The Buccaneers might have more to worry about than we think. True. That's so, um, yeah, so we'll stick with the Buccaneers at the minus 8, the minus 115. Moving on to the Panthers at the Rams. The Rams are minus 10. The over-under is 42. Uh, the Panthers are juiced to minus 115 at the plus 10. This is another situation where you and I both agree here. Um, we both like the Rams this week. Um, I, I just, the Panthers are another team. Just not good. Uh, PJ Walker is supposed to start for the Panthers this week. The only time I've seen him play was against the Cardinals, and he actually looked really good. So that kind of concerns me a little bit. Um, and are the Rams a bad team? Well, I won't. I will not get financially involved in this game. Absolutely, not. I've watched. I think every Rams game this year, and you talk about a Super Bowl hangover. They do not look good at all. No. Um, uh, Stafford looks not good at all. He's missing receivers. Um, well, I said it at the beginning of the year. That elbow injury that he came into the year with. There's no way that that's not bothering him. Yeah. But, well, I mean, it sure seems like it. Yeah. Something's bothering because he's missing guys that are wide open. Yeah. They uh, can't he, run the ball? No, they can't. And also, Stafford's making some really weird decisions. I mean, uh, he's thrown into double coverage a lot. And I don't know. Something just seems off with that team. I don't know what it is, but it just seems off. Even the defense, that vaunted defense is not playing that well. 
I mean, outside of Aaron Donald, I mean, yeah, they're they're not as good as they were last year. I think them losing Von Miller was big. It, it hurt. Jalen Ramsey has been getting absolutely torched this year. Yeah. He's not looked good at all. Um, and I think if this was honestly outside of maybe the Steelers, if there was any other team getting 10 points here, I would go the other way. No doubt. Yeah, you know? I, I would too. Um, and it just it also seems from what reports are saying is that Christian McCaffrey is on his way out, that the, the Panthers are more than likely going to trade him. So they might not play him as much. They might want to keep that trade value high. So, yeah, it, it just seems like a spot where the, the Panthers are just going to get trounced. It, the minus 115 is a little weird yeah, for is. me. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, the Rams are the better team. Yeah. They really are. So we'll stick with the Rams at the minus 10. Moving on to the Cardinals at Seahawks. The Cardinals are minus 2.5. Uh, Juice to minus 115. The over-under is 50.5. We both like the Cardinals here, and obviously, I'm a Cardinals fan. You guys know that. Uh, I think you have a little Cardinal cheering bias uh, as well. I hate picking the Cardinals as often as I do. I, I really try not to homer the Cardinals. But if there's one thing the Cardinals can do, it is win in Seattle. No matter how bad they are, no matter how good they are, the Cardinals always play well in Seattle. And the Cardinals, even though they lost against the Eagles, I think they showed that they might be a little bit better than what they have played to. Right. Well, they fell behind. Uh, they made the game extremely competitive. Really could have won it in the end. And Kyler Murray still has a lot of weapons. He, he's, he has good running backs. He has great receivers. He has good tight ends. His legs. I mean, his legs are a huge weapon. That they don't use. No, they don't use it enough. But I think Kyler at times, um, he makes really bad decisions. Like he'll throw into double coverage. Yeah. Or he'll just make kind of a, a stupid pass or a stupid decision during the game that ends up costing them. But Seattle's not good this year. Geno Smith is normally good in the first half, normally terrible in the second half. Yeah. And uh, I do see the Cardinals going up to the Northwest, the uh, Pacific Northwest, and getting this win. I think so, too. I, I really hope that they can build off of that Eagles game um, because they shut down one of the best offenses in the NFL in the second half. And, I mean, you can't sit here and tell me that the Seahawks are even a, a fraction of the offense that the Eagles can be. Um, Kyler is just so infuriating at times. Mm-hmm. Um, He's frustrating to watch. He is because you see the talent. Yep. You see, you see the guy in there that the Cardinals paid for, but that's not who that player is yet. That's not who he is. He the amount of money that he's getting paid, he should be doing what we see from him flashes. Right. He should be doing that constantly, all, all the time, all the time. Right. And I still, until Cliff Kingsbury is not the coach. I can't fully blame Kyler because I've said it. Right, I'll yeah. keep saying it. I think Cliff Kingsbury is by far. Nathaniel Hackett is getting close, but I, I still think Cliff Kingsbury is far and away the worst coach in the NFL. Well, I think he coaches at times like he's still in college. Yeah. And I think that really hurts him because he does have 
an RPO quarterback that is is really a better runner than a passer, and I still think he's in that mindset. Yeah. Um, but no, Cliff has cost the Cardinals many games. Hundred percent. And many you games. see it when when Kyler is mobile and he's using his legs, and the defense has to account for it. The Cardinals offense is awesome they move the ball so easily but when he's dropping back he has the most attempted passes in the nfl so far this year a guy like kyler should not have the most attempted passes in the nfl he just shouldn't right he just shouldn't and that just shows you that this coaching staff can't use him the right way maybe it's kyler telling them he doesn't want to run there's obviously something going on to where he, he's just different when he gets outside the pocket. Lamar Jackson is big and fast. Kyler is quick and can get away from people. Right. You know, so if they started using him the right way, the Cardinals could be such a better team than they actually are. And it's just so frustrating to watch week to week. Yeah. Um, but that being said, we'll, we'll stick with the Cardinals at the minus two and a half. We will move on to probably the best game of the week. What should be at least should be. is the Bills at the Chiefs. The Bills are minus two and a half, minus one fifteen. The over under is fifty four. You still haven't made an official pick on this game, as you were going back and forth. I took the Bills here. The Bills are just a juggernaut, and for me at least. The Chiefs obviously still look very good. There's, there's still Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes. They still got a good team. I just feel here that the Bills are just a little bit better. It's going to be a revenge game from the playoffs. I think that they can just score one more time than the Chiefs to cover that two and a half. No, I agree. The, the more I thought about this game, I like the Bills big in this game. I really do. The, the Chiefs barely escaped with a win against the Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders jumped out to a huge lead. Uh, Chiefs came back, kind of had the game in hand. Yeah. And then the Raiders made that very interesting at the end, and they really could have won that game. I just see Josh Allen throwing all over that defense. I do too. And the Bills' defense is better than KC's. Um, I honestly like the Bills maybe by 7 to 10 points here. Okay, so you went from not being able to pick it to it kind of sounds like the Bills should almost be your super lock here. Yeah, it's, pre- it's getting pretty close. <laughs> yeah. It's either going to be them or the Bengals. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're both on the Bills at the minus two and a half. I, it's a high total, but I, I mean, th- this game could should easily get to tw- at least 28-28. Oh, yeah. You, you could get this cover easy I think on so. the over. Um. We will move on to the Cowboys at the Eagles. The Eagles minus six and a half. Um, the Cowboys are juiced to minus 115 at the plus six and a half. We're both on the Cowboys here. Um, the only, and this is a Sunday night game, by the way. The only thing I'm scared of with the Cowboys is are we overreacting to the second half of that Cardinals game? I mean, the, the Eagles are 5-0. and I think Cooper Rush is due for a bad game. I think he's playing – and I like Cooper Rush. I watched him a lot at Central Michigan. Um, I I just think at this – he's due for a bad game. Well, I kind of go the opposite with you on that. I think Jalen Hurts is due for a bad game. 
I agree, but again, like it almost seems like it's falling into we're overreacting to the second half of that Cardinals game a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm really not. I just, I just think Hurts is due for a bad game, and honestly, I think the Cowboys are better than people think. I mean, Cooper Rush is is proven to be extremely efficient. Right. Uh, Elliott's not even running the ball that well, and yet they're finding a way to win. Well, um, Elliott hasn't run the ball well for the last two and a half years right. almost. It's been a while now, but look at the weapons Cooper Rush has. You know, oh, absolutely, he, he, he has a ton of weapons, and. Coaching aside, I think Mike McCarthy is not a good coach. Um, I think the Cowboys might win this game straight up. It's hard for me. Uh, We are, while we're recording, we're watching the Padres-Dodgers game. And Trent Grisham, who's easily becoming the greatest postseason player in Padres (laughs) history, just hit a home run to bring it to 2-0 for the Padres. Um, I almost... I want to fight back on you on that Mike McCarthy mm-hmm. comment. How how can you not say he's a good coach? Well, At I, this I, point, what he's doing with Cooper Rush and this Cowboys team is amazing. Well, I'll, I'll kind of be devil's advocate. I think the Cowboys at times win in spite of Mike McCarthy. Absolutely. Because yeah. I, I saw all the teams that guy had in Green Bay, all the talent, Aaron Rodgers at the top of his game, receivers – you know, left and right, you know, a good defense. Right. And I just don't think McCarthy's a good coach. I really don't. I, I have never thought that. And la- and let's not forget, last year, Prescott played the entire year, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, McCarthy, he just – I don't think he's a good game manager, and I think he makes some ridiculous decisions during the game. But – is Dak Prescott extremely overrated? Oh my God, I think he is. I think so too. I mean, you, I think you he's see very it overrated. now. Yeah, you see it now. Cooper Rush has stepped in and has done just as well as he has. Right. No, Dak is extremely overrated, and the only reason I'm going to put this guy back in is because the amount of money they're paying. Oh, 100 percent. Why in the world would you fix something if it's not broke? Cooper Rush is four and zero. If he beats Philly Sunday night. How in the world can you put Prescott back? Well, not but, only but to. yeah. Well, not only if he beats the Eagles this week, and then say Dak comes back against the Lions and loses oh. to the Lions at home. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, I think Cowboys fans are going to be calling for his head. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think they'll be ready to ship Dak Prescott to Siberia, <laughs> and just roll with Cooper Rush at that point. Um, but I mean. In, in spite of trying to talk myself into the Eagles, I, I think I'll stick with the Cowboys here. The, the six and a half is still a lot of points. I think if it, was, if it was a lower point spread, I'd probably lean towards the Eagles a little bit more. But I, I like getting the six and a half. And I think by kickoff, it'll probably be four, it four and be. a half. It'll probably get a little bit lower. Well, Dallas always gets a lot of public money. And yeah. that normally drives the spread down. Uh, a lot of people are Eagles believers, and, and I can see why, but I... I think the Cowboys actually go in there and get the win this week. The Eagles were actually my uh, dark horse pick to win that division yeah. this year, and it's looking pretty good right yeah, now. Right. Um, moving on to the Broncos at the Chargers. The Chargers are minus 5.5, juice to minus 115. The over-under is 45.5. We are surprisingly on the Broncos here, both of us. Well, I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to take the Chargers, and the only reason Herbert's a great quarterback. I do not like this line at all. I hate the five and a half. 
the Chargers are the better team. They have the better quarterback. Um, their head coach also makes some crazy, crazy decisions. They, he almost cost them that game against the yeah. Browns last Sunday. Um, but I, I don't love this game, but I do see the Chargers winning. Yeah. And maybe barely covering, but I'm not going to put any of my own money on this game. Well, I, I think for the reasons that you just made, this is one of those lines that makes no sense. Yeah, right. You know, the Chargers at home, the Broncos coming off that horrible, ugly loss to the Colts. They do get extra rest. They the get Broncos. a little bit extra yeah. rest, but I mean, that hasn't stopped how bad they've looked all year. Right, true. And like I just said, I, I think Nathaniel Hackett is challenging Cliff Kingsbury for the worst coach in the NFL. Yeah, but you know, also, I think he's getting a little bit too much criticism. Uh, let's face it, um, Russell Wilson has not played well at all. He hasn't he played. He really hasn't. Well, he hasn't played well, but if you're Nathaniel Hackett and you're watching that Thursday night game, why are you throwing the ball in that in late in that game? You run the ball, get the first down, and even if you don't get the first down, you kick the field goal to force the Colts to score a touchdown. Right. But he's throwing he's throwing a 15-20 yard pass into the end zone when you there's literally no reason in the world for him to to have to do that. I agree, but Wilson did miss a receiver wide open in the end zone that would have won that game for him. And in fact, he didn't he didn't even look at the guy and instead he threw into double coverage and uh, the ball got knocked down, but I mean, I agree, but again, like they should never have had to even be in that position in the first place. Right. You know, like they they could have just run the ball out and that would have been it. Yeah. It would have been done. Um so I mean, for that reason alone, I, I, like you, would think the Chargers are the better team, better quarterback, better coach, tongue-in-cheek there. Mm-hmm. Um, at home, th- this line should be larger. It should be larger, but the thing that always scares me about the Chargers, they normally play very well in the first half, and they always let teams back in. Yeah. Um, you know, they barely survived against the Browns. Uh, they, I watched that entire game. They could not stop the Browns. But Herbert is so good. Uh, he's a very accurate passer. He does make good decisions. And for that reason, um, the Chargers are going to win a lot of games this year, and I see him winning this one as well. Okay. Um, do you have a super lock that you would like to give out this week? It's going to be the Bills. Okay. Yeah. So you did, did end up going heavy on the Bills, yeah. like you said. Um, my super lock this week – I'm going to take the Buccaneers. Um, Just seems like a terrible spot for the Steelers. Uh, You know, the Buccaneers almost come off an embarrassing loss to the Falcons. Again, Tom Brady is dealing with all of this stuff with his his wife. Soon to be ex-wife. Soon to be (laughs) ex-wife. Soon to be Antonio Brown's new wife from from what it looks like. Um, it, It just, it seems like a spot that the Buccaneers should absolutely rule the Steelers. Um, and then I like to give out a five team teaser every week. So my five team teaser this week, we are going to take the jets up to plus 13 and a half. We are going to take the giants up to 11 and a half. We're going to take the Buccaneers down to minus two. We are going to take the Cowboys up to plus three. Thir- or plus 12 and a half and we are going to tease the over 
on the Bills and Chiefs game down to 48. I like it. So we will see how that works out. Thank you, Dad, for being here. This is one of the best shows I think I've had the pleasure of doing. Oh, it was totally awesome. I love going to that game with you today. Even though it wasn't a Yankees W, uh, it was still just incredibly enjoyable. I don't know, and I don't know. I don't know if you remember this, but when I got back from my third trip to Afghanistan in the mid two thousands, I met you in St. Louis. Yep, and we saw. The Cardinals play, yep. then we drove to Denver and yep. saw the Rockies play. Two beautiful stadiums, and uh, we just had a blast. I remember we drove by uh, Kauffman Stadium, too, and we thought about it for a second, but I think the game was already in like the seventh inning or right. something, so we didn't get to go see that. But no, that's it's one of the coolest trips I think I've ever been on. Um, it was the Cardinals versus the Padres. And then it was the Rockies versus the Cubs. Great memory because yep. I didn't remember who they played. I just knew that uh, I was happy to have you yeah. by my side and for those games. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll get to come on the show more um, You know, because this was awesome. We'll get to make more memories. Um, do you have any parting words for our no, guests? Let, let's just hope that uh, our picks were wise and, and sound <laughs> this week, and uh, hopefully you'll get out the snide on your super lock. Yeah. You, I, I cannot believe how your super lock turned out last week. You have a third-string quarterback against the, one of the league's premier offenses who put up a goose egg. And uh, i tell you what, the Patriots' th- third-stringer, Brady Zapp, he's, um, he's doing okay so far. Bill Belichick just has a way yeah, he of doing He did it with Jacoby Brissett. He did it with Matt Castle. So, I mean, I should have taken that into account that Tom Br- or, uh, Bill Belichick can literally scheme for any quarterback. Doesn't matter who they are. He could scheme me into a successful NFL quarterback if he really needed to. So, before we go, actually, that brings up a good point and something that I think is a fun debate. Was it Tom Brady or Bill Belichick that made the Patriots so successful? Well, look, I'm going to lean Brady there, uh, even though Belichick is a great coach. He's a master. But you just look at what Brady did in Tampa Bay. I mean, he goes from the Patriots, and first year in Tampa Bay, he wins a Super Bowl. See, and that's why I lean Bill Belichick, actually. It's because you look at the team that the Buccaneers built around Tom Brady. It was a super team. Tom Brady never had that in New England. He always had one really good weapon, but he made everyone else better around him. Right. You know, um, and Bill Belichick on that same foot, you see he's never had a bad season. Right. You know, and even his bad season, they still at least compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, Belichick has this amazing knack to find talent. Um I mean, let, let's remember, Brady was a sixth-round draft yeah. pick, and he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. Yep. Belichick has that knack. Uh, all the greatest coaches have that knack of getting the best out of what they have, but also recognizing those guys that are overlooked, and yet he brings them into his team or onto his team, and they shine. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's just phenomenal at that, and so is Nick Saban. Yeah. I, I, th- those two remind me a lot of each other. Yeah. I, I'm just happy at this point that they're not together anymore. Because... <laughs> I mean, you can debate Brady, Belichick. They're both probably the best coach of all time and the best quarterback of all time. And the fact that we had to live 
through both of them together for 15, 20 years almost was not fun. Yeah. And I'm well, unless you're a Patriots fan, of course. Yeah. If you're, well, they took they took their Super Bowls for granted. You know, yeah. like being a long suffering Cardinals fan, I want to just taste what a Super Bowl is like. Right. One day. And and just and remember, their undefeated season, the only game they lost was to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That amazing catch, but I believe it was David Tyree. David Tyree, uh, the helmet catch, yeah. yeah. Absolutely amazing game. And that's the only game they lost the entire yeah. year was the Super Bowl. Yep. But yeah, thank you guys. Uh hour seven minutes, you know, uh didn't feel that long for it's sure. It's awesome. Um, again, though, thank you guys for listening. If you guys want to, please follow, please subscribe, please rate the podcast. Follow my Twitter. Um, you can follow my fit my personal account. You can follow the podcast account at the Trap Game Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Um, like always, I truly appreciate that you guys take the time out of your day to listen to me and, in this case, me and my dad ramble on about sports that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, but thank you guys again. Thank you to Belly Up for being behind me. Um, you guys have a great week. Let's have a great week and take money from the sports books. Go Yankees. Go Yankees. All right, guys, have a great weekend. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.